1: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 677 with Donna Sardula. If you are like many professionals, your LinkedIn is probably, okay, fine, I guess. And you think, oh, I should probably make it better somehow, some way, but I guess my resume's on there and I got a photo, so it's probably good enough. And I'm not looking for a job right now, so whatever, maybe later. Well, Donna is going to bring the clarity that I think we all need so that you can make the most of your LinkedIn. So it is a magnet for the kind of opportunities you want. You'll learn one, the crucial first step to building a solid LinkedIn presence. Two, how to dramatically increase your reach with keywords. And three, the simplest way to grow your network tenfold. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP677. And if you're at at AwesomeAtYourJob.com, I recommend you check out some of our cool resources, such as the ability to search the full-text transcripts of every episode with that little magnifying glass, or every episode tagged by the keyword and competency covered, or the gold nugget email summaries, which give you the write-up wisdom that Donna had to share in something you could read in about three minutes right in your inbox, as well as unlocking the vault of all 677 of these summary write-ups. We call those the gold nuggets over at at AwesomeAtYourJob.com. And here's Donna's story. Donna Sardula pioneered the concept of LinkedIn profile optimization, realizing early on, The LinkedIn profile was so much more than merely an online resume. A job change in 2006 led her back to LinkedIn as Donna looked for tools to help her build a sales territory. It was during this time she had her LinkedIn epiphany and forged her LinkedIn four point methodology. By integrating LinkedIn into her sales process, she found tremendous success. In 2009, she walked away from her successful sales career and founded Vision Board Media and LinkedInMakeover.com. She's the author of the book, LinkedIn Profile Optimization for Dummies, published by Wiley, and Donna has been featured in much, much media, such as the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, LA Times, and many others. Big thanks to Donna for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. No. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a 1 billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number 1 in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedincom awesome. That's linkedin.com/b e a w e s o m e as in you are being awesome, be awesome to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Donna. Donna, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
2: Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited to talk about branding, LinkedIn profile, optimizing, representing yourself well. And, and it's fun. It was, I was just on your LinkedIn profile. And right off the bat, you impressed me with your use of the pronunciation feature. Yes. Which most people don't use. And you didn't just say Donna Sardula. Which is what I did, <laughs> but you said, "My name is Donna Sardula. I help professionals represent themselves or brand themselves on LinkedIn and beyond." And I was like, "That's awesome! Like, you got a few seconds to work with, and so you, yeah. you right there at the very beginning, you made it count." And I was impressed. So it looks like we're talking to the right person. <laughs>
2: oh, thank you. They give you ten seconds. And if they're going to give you 10 seconds, I say use all 10 seconds. I will tell you, uh, right when they first put that out there, I was using like a little bit of the Batman theme from the 1960s Adam West show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that as the introduction and then my name. But that was cute in the very beginning. And then I decided, let's 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 get this a little bit more
1: professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well done. And it's funny, I listened to mine. I was like, I'm a little soft. I should do it again. All right. So I'm already inspired.
2: But here's the thing. I mean, with your name, like I kept looking at it in my email and I was like, Maka Mikatitas. Mik-? And then I went to your profile, hit that button, got the pronunciation and thought, why didn't I see it immediately? But it's perfect. You know, like for my last name, very few people know how to pronounce it. And for those people who have an ethnic name, I think it's it's a great feature. It helps people and it makes everyone a little bit more comfortable.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so we're going to talk about representing yourself and, and, and LinkedIn, and I'd love to maybe you could kick us off by sharing. what are some of the most uh, wild ways you've seen people represent themselves, maybe in terms of like their titles or or the headline? And then you go, "Huh?:
2: There's a <laughs> lot of ninjas out there. There's a lot of ninjas, there's a lot of rock stars.
1: Okay, Ninjas <laughs> rock stars.: <laughs>
2: But I like it. I have to admit, when a person tries, I like it. I really like it. What I really, what I don't like is when a person doesn't try it in any way and, you know, they upload a really just terrible profile picture and, you know, they just copy and paste old stuff that was developed years before and they call it a day. To me, that's like, it's a horrible, horrible thing. I really feel that people should think and really say to themselves, you know, how do I want others to perceive me? Where do I want to go in my life? Where do I want to go in my career? And really be very thoughtful when you craft that profile, because people are looking. They want to know what to think about you. And so if you want to be that ninja, if you want to be that rock star, girl, go for it.
1: Okay. All right. Well, well, could you maybe kick us off by sharing a cool story of someone who did kind of rethink how they were representing themselves and tweaked some things on LinkedIn and beyond and, and saw some cool results from it?
2: This is what we do every day. Our clients come to us and they have problems talking about themselves, telling their story. It's really, really hard to write about yourself. I'm thinking of a very specific client who had come to us. He was 56 years old and the writing was on the wall. His position was going to be eliminated. He knew it. He knew the end date was coming. He was in technology and he was scared. Because at 56, he felt he was so far over the hill. He didn't know where he was going to go, where he was going to get hired. He'd been at this this organization for years. And I remember him calling me and the, and the, the sense of fear and dread and anxiety that was in his voice. And I remember saying, let's take the bull by the horns. And let's make sure that you're presenting yourself as who you are that you're relevant, that you're interesting, that you're energized, that you have so much to offer. And we worked on the profile and we told his story and we talked about who he was and what he represented and what he did and how it helped others. We infused the right keywords throughout that profile. And we did the same with his resume. And he called me back six months later and he had gotten a job closer to his home. He was making 40% more. Oh, wow. Why 40% more? Not because we did such a great job, but because he'd been in that company for so many years. He had never truly gotten the correct upticks and salary that he would have gotten if he was in the, you know, just a regular market. And he was so gracious and so, so thankful that that's what happens when you decide to represent yourself and tell your story and put yourself out there.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Very cool. Well, huge success story. So that's that's encouraging and, and, and hopeful and hopeful, inspiring for, for folks who may be wanting to do some some things, uh, shake things up. So, well, can you tell us how do you how do you start thinking about this whole thing? How you represent yourself, and and then maybe let's get into some particulars for LinkedIn as a platform to do that optimally.
2: Sure. I believe that the very first step, at least with with LinkedIn and branding yourself on that platform. It's really important, Pete, to say, why am I on LinkedIn? What am I hoping to achieve? Not everyone is on LinkedIn for job search. Some people are on it because they want to prospect and sell more. Some are on it because people are looking at them and they want to make sure that they're utilizing it for reputation management, that when a person looks at them, they see someone who's impressive, someone who uh, has earned their confidence. You know, others are doing it for executive branding, you know, to tell that story, to be perceived at a different level. And there could be combinations, but it's really important to know why you're on LinkedIn because your goal is going to determine your story and how you present yourself. If you're in sales and your goal is to sell more, but your profile is written like a resume, And that goal is more for recruiters that you love to prospect. You're just going to turn off your target audience, Mm -hmm. which
1: is, you know, prospects and potential clients. That's great. Well, so can I hear maybe a little bit of those implications in terms of, okay, if I'm in a selling of products or services mode, as opposed to selling myself mode, Mm -hmm. what are some key things I do differently based on the, the pathway I'm going down?
2: Yeah, it's so important to really envision that audience that person who you want to be reading the profile and think in terms of if they were searching for someone like you, if they didn't know your name, what would those keywords be that they're putting into the search bar trying to you know find you to get close to someone like you? Those words are words that you'd want to infuse through your profile. That's how you're going to get found more often. And very, very few people ever really think that deeply about LinkedIn. They do ah I copy and paste my resume and I'll be done. But you know, LinkedIn is, it's a professional network, but it's also a search engine and recruiters and hiring managers are using it, but not just hiring managers. I mean, people in the media are using it. People who are, who are looking for talent, who have opportunity to provide, they want to find someone like you. So you want to make it really easy for them to find you, but knowing what you want out of it and what that person would be interested in, that's what's going to shape the story. So what does a recruiter want? What are you targeting in that regard? Or what's going to impress a person? What have you done that you're proud of that would make a difference? And once you have that down and, you know, jot it down, that's what's going to start to shape your narrative within the about section of your profile.
1: Okay, certainly. Well, that sounds fundamental and yet often overlooked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's so easy. Why doesn't anyone do it?
1: <laughs> well, well, you got, you take some time. So, okay, seriously, who do I want to see this? And when they see it, what do I want them to walk away thinking? Yeah. And so you're thinking through that. And so with that kind of bullseye in mind, what are some of the key factors that make a profile Make a great impression in terms of hey, this is memorable. This person really seems like they could be a winner. Versus like, no, oh, okay, yeah, next.
2: <laughs> I hate bullets. Okay, I hate bulleted lists. I just despise that. I also hate huge blocks of impenetrable text where there's not a single line break. It could be the most warmest, engaging copy ever written, but if it's hard for an eye to scan through you're gonna turn people off. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what you write, but it's also how you, you know, format it through the profile. Like line breaks, you know, that enter or return key is a should be a good friend of yours. And don't think of like the old fashioned paragraph concept that the, we were taught in school. You can you can actually break it up a little bit more into more of like uh, ideas. So the easier it is to scan, the better. I would say first person narrative. Mm-hmm. There are certain times I have some clients that come to me and they have done the most amazing things. They've lived these incredible lives. Their accomplishments are huge. And when they write in the first person, it feels weird to them. Uh It just doesn't feel right. And those are very few situations where I'm like, okay, let's write in third. It's okay. (laughs) You've earned third person. But for most people, they know that you've written it yourself or you've hired someone to write it for you. You should write it in first person mm-hmm. and write it in a manner where it's warm. It's engaging. It tells that story. You know, it's who you are, why you do what you do. What does it mean to others? What do you stand for? What do you represent? And when you talk about that, that's, you know, and ultimately it's your why. I think it really resonates with people mm-hmm. and they like that.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, I hear you there. And, and I'm looking at yours right now as, as we speak. And, <laughs> and so I hear what you're saying in terms of like breaking up the text. So we've got some shorter paragraphs, maybe yeah. just a sentence at times. And then, yeah. or, well, I do, and the shortest. Do you know what makes a LinkedIn profile stand out from the crowd? New paragraph. Well, I do that's great. Okay. I'm intrigued. Okay. Well, well, what are you about? So I'm pulled in. And then in terms of breaking up the text, I mean, you you have a nice little bold capital services, author, speaker, and then a little bit of an underline there. And and that's just easy peasy to do. There's no special tricks. You just uh, push the bold button.
2: There is no bold button.
1: Oh, well, well now you're a ninja and a rock star, Dada. How do we do it?
2: (laughs) So that is actually faux text. It's Unicode. And so if you visit my website, linkedin-makeover.com, and you go to the free tools, I have this little uh, wizard or online app, whatever you want to call it, where you type in and it will will apply formatting, but it's not real formatting. It just looks like text, but it's... It's more of, it's really just like code and you copy it in and you put it into your profile and voila, you suddenly have italics, you have bold, you have underline, you can even have cursive if you wanted to. The one thing though, Pete, to know is that it looks like the word, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be doing everything in that because it's not optimized for search. The other thing is if a person who is blind and they're using a screen reader, they're not going to hear the right words mm-hmm. because it's, again, it's, it's fake text. But in small doses, it's fabulous.
1: Oh, Donna, I just love talking to someone who's just delved deep into the details. Of of <laughs> it's not actually text, it's code. So here's some implications of that noted. It's going to look great with some trade-offs, so use it appropriately, mm-hmm. but just know that you can use it, which and just about nobody does, because I don't think I've seen it before. So kudos, Donna. Thank you. Thank you. That's cool. Okay, so, so, so that's some of the, the particulars in terms of looking great and being friendly to the eyeball, such that they'll actually read it. And so then, what are some key thoughts for what we put in there? We want it to be friendly. We want it to make a good impression. Mm-hmm. And you, particular do's and don'ts.
2: I recognize that it's 2021 and I shouldn't have to say that the profile picture is important, but even to this day it's it's something that so many people really struggle with. So a good do is work on getting a, a professionally taken photo. It does make a difference. Don't just go with a selfie. With weird things in the background. Don't, you know, show your, your shoulders or your elbows. It's a headshot for a reason, especially on the mobile phone, uh, which reduces it even smaller. You really want to make sure that it's, it's your, your face that's filling that circle. So that's a huge thing. There's a background graphic that very few people use. And this is a great place to really illustrate your brand. And subtly suggest to people who, who don't even have to read anything who you are and what you what you do and what you represent. So definitely utilize that. There's a lot of areas to upload photos and things like that, links to websites and whatnot. It's now called the featured section, it actually provides like a carousel at the top of your profile, and that's that's a fabulous place. Very few people don't use it, but I would definitely say it's a do. Depending upon your, your job and who you are and what you do, it should be relatively easy to find something to populate that area.
1: Okay. So we went right to some tactical stuff. Maybe I should zoom out a smidge. You've got a full-blown four-point methodology. Yes, I do. Can you kind of walk us through that a little bit?
2: Step one, know your goal. All right. Know why you're on it. We talked a little bit about that. Two, optimize your profile to your goal. You know, infuse your keywords, tell the world who you are and why you shine. Three, start to grow your network. You need to connect. Have you ever seen that movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn
1: Ross? Oh, Coffee's for Closers. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> a, B, C, always be. Well, I like to say always be connecting. Mm-hmm. Always be connecting. You know, a lot of people say to me, I don't, you know, I don't get LinkedIn. And then I look at their profile. They've got like 10 connections or even just a hundred connections. And and you really do need to have a network. So, you know, try to get that, your online network to reflect your offline network. So connect, connect, connect. So that's three, four is now you want to engage.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now you want to start to go to that homepage and scroll through and comment and like and share and start to post. That's when you can network in your pajamas. That's when things should start to come together for you. And that's when you're going to start to see that there is opportunity in
1: in those hills out there. Well, yeah. So we've talked a bit about the first two. Uh, Let's hit keywords for a bit now. Well, hey, if you've gone deep into Unicode, you may have some answers here (laughs) that I don't know. So I guess I've, I've played just a little bit of the, of the Google search engine optimization game. Boy, that is a full-time operation. And many people have made that their careers yeah. in terms of saying, okay, so what are the keywords? What are the, what's the traffic associated with those keywords, with the competition for those keywords? Where can I win? How can I write content that hits those and, and gets me surfaced in Google and, and hopefully it's good as opposed to, oh man. Well, I think we've all read it, right? In terms of like, you might be asking yourself, uh, how do I get a good price on a mortgage? Well, the answer to getting a good price on a mortgage involves three key things. The first step to getting a good price on a good mortgage, you know, it's like, we know what you're doing here. Yeah, the
2: redundant, yeah, repetition of (laughs) the key (laughs)
1: phrase. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. But I'm wondering, like, is there any, like, keyword research tools that give us a sense for, I don't know, like, Python versus Django? I barely know what I'm talking about here. So apologies, Python coders. But so you get the idea. Is like there are some opportunities where I, I could describe a given skill or set of expertise with many different potential keywords. So how do I know which ones to go for and optimize for?
2: And sadly, when you're on LinkedIn, in your account, looking at your profile, it really is almost like pin the tail on the donkey, you know, wearing a blindfold. LinkedIn doesn't give a lot of insight into how well your profile is performing for keywords. What are the most searched keywords? Those are things that they kind of hold in the back. They don't show their cards very easily. What I recommend doing is this. It's knowing what do you feel would a person be searching for if they were looking for you? And yes, there's a whole bunch of different keywords. Choose the ones that you feel are the most obvious, the most used, and then use them organically through your profile, the fields that are most sensitive for search, your headline, that right there, if you can infuse your top keywords in there, you will find that you turn up higher and more often for those keywords. If you can use those keywords, not in a repetitive or obnoxious way, but you can organically use it in the narrative of your about section That's going to be very helpful. Again, not not in a repetitive way, not in a bulleted list type of way, but you're you're just you're weaving them into your story. That's a good thing. Job titles. Again, perfect for keywords. Very few people do, but that area does make a difference, as does the job description. So if you could put it in those areas and really think, if I'm looking for a job, look at the job description, look at a couple job descriptions, highlight what are the words that you keep seeing repeated? over and over and over again? What are those core competencies? What are those applications that you need to know? That will give you an idea. And then what you do, Pete, is you wait and you watch mm-hmm. and you see, are you getting hits to your profile?
1: Yeah, and they'll tell you, like you showed up and you reviewed this many times. So you know that. And I think it also tells you, you've showed up this many times in, in search. So views mm-hmm. of my profile, 1500, I'm looking at mine now. And so I could see that, And then I can just peruse. Oh, you looked at me. Hi there.
2: (laughs) I like to do my due diligence.
1: (laughs) And I can kind of peruse. It tells you found you via LinkedIn profile. And it will also say found you via homepage Mm -hmm. and found people similar to you. But it doesn't also say found you via search.
2: I don't think it does. I don't think it does.
1: Okay. Well, you're setting me straight.
2: But when they say found you through the profile, you can almost surmise that it was either they were doing a name-based search or they were doing a keyword
1: search and you popped up. And I think your point associated with just knowing your audience is huge because, well, I looked at this once back in the day when I was doing more Myers Briggs training, which I'm I'm capable of doing, but that's not been my focus lately. And so you find tons of profiles that will have MBTI as in their headline as their as their title, which as a type practitioner I know and and many others do that that stands for Myers Briggs Type Indicator, which is the name of the tool. However. I have learned that most people, when they're searching for that, do not search for MBTI. They search for Myers-Briggs. And so just knowing that, all you Myers-Briggs practitioners on LinkedIn, here's a, here's a free one for you. Just about no one says Myers-Briggs in their title, even though that's what more people look for. So you can sort of try that out. And I guess just maybe... Ask your target audience, like, hey, so if you were kind of looking for someone to do like a personality workshop for you, like, well, what about you type into LinkedIn? I was like, I don't know, maybe Myers Briggs, maybe uh, Disc. He's like, okay. Yeah, I noticed you did not say MBTI. So that gets you there.
2: Yeah, sometimes you get to get in the weeds of your own knowledge and you have to break through and step out and look at it. I see that a lot of times when people say to me, "Oh, you know, I'm a dynamic person and I do all they're using these like crazy words and crazy mm-hmm. jargon and it's like Talk to me like I'm a three-year-old. <laughs> talk to your audience <laughs> like they're th- a three-year-old. It's going to help you really simplify the message and make it so much more accessible mm. to the world at large. Now, of course, you weigh that because if your target audience really does talk like that, then that's great. Go for it. But yeah, that's true. Sometimes people do get a little too caught up in their in the weeds. They're they're so close. They you know they can't gain that focus.
1: Yeah, that's great because I'm thinking. I just recently learned the term a capital allocator. (laughs) I didn't know what that meant, but there may be times you want to call yourself a capital allocator based on who you're attracting, and times you want to call yourself a a financial planner (laughs) based on on who you're going after. Even though there's a fair bit of overlap in capital allocators and financial planners, will probably say, "Well, Pete, actually, there's several distinctions, (laughs) much like Python and Django." So. But that's a great perspective there in terms of how would they speak. And it's unlikely someone is going to search for a dynamic multi-potentialite, even though you might be that.
2: You might be. I remember a very specific client of mine had said to me, Donna, before the profile, I was getting a ton of hits. I was getting found and I was getting a lot more inquiries on LinkedIn. And of course, I heard that. I was like, do you hate me? (laughs) This sounds bad. And he said, no. Since you worked on the profile, you really dialed in to the right audience. It's a much more qualified. So yeah, I'm getting less, but the ones that I'm getting really want me. Mm-hmm. And I'm aligned to those opportunities that they're presenting to me before I was getting all types of opportunities that I wasn't interested in, and that was a waste of time. So you, you do have to sort of weigh it. You want to make sure that it's the right audience and you've got the right message. And what's coming to you is, is good opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's so great. And, and as you say it, like all the little pieces are, are connecting here in terms of like your, your image and your banner. What was the term I used there? You got your headshot and then you got your other image at the top. At most. Yeah,
2: we call it the background graphic. <laughs> the banner works too.
1: <laughs> your headshot and your background graphic. And they can, it all comes together in terms of telling the story, like the individual pieces. And, and you might optimize incorrectly. I, I remember in early, in my early days, uh, I got some headshots and I thought, oh man, this one, I look really, I thought I looked hot <laughs> in terms, I was wearing like a a, a black <laughs> button down and a dark background. And I thought, oh man, I, I look, there's like a smoldering glaze. It was like, Okay. Yeah, Pete, I get fair. You do great job. They caught a good angle, <laughs> but really we need you to show up as the friendly high energy speaker guy and not a model. <laughs> so it's like, Oh yeah, good point. Good point. I might look not as, as good in a, um, I don't know, GQ sense of the word in one headshot. But for the audience and, and the impression I'm trying to give, it works better, even though the, oh, my rosacea is more prominent in that photo. Well, we're going to go with that one because it's, it's going to get the job done that we're looking to get done.
2: I know it, it sounds so strange, but I always say people feel this need to because LinkedIn is this professional network. They want to look serious but when they look serious, they tend to look mm-hmm. angry. <laughs> and <laughs> and you want to seem approachable. You want to seem friendly. You want to make it easy for a person to want to reach out to learn more about you. And so upload you know a picture where, where you do look more friendly. And that, of course, trumps the professional picture. If a headshot, it might be well taken, but if it's not presenting you in that in that friendly light, it's not going to work. I'm going to tell you another thing, Pete, this is huge. And it's so obvious people who don't include their contact information. Mm. They don't put their phone number in, they don't put their email address and they make it very, very hard to reach you. One of my biggest pet peeves.
1: Yeah. And I think maybe some people have a a worry or a concern like, Oh, I'm going to get all these, all these spam callers or all these randoms calling me, but I'll, I'll tell you, I've got my, I've got my phone number in there. Hello, listeners. Give me a ring. <laughs> uh, my phone number's in there. And just about never do I get super random calls that uh, I think are, are, are traced back to LinkedIn. I mean, there's robo-spam callers, but they hit everybody indiscriminately. Yeah. So I think, yeah, if anyone has any uh, worries on that dimension, in my own experience, and you've got a lot more LinkedIn stuff going on than I do, It's really not that noticeable. I don't think I've suffered any negative consequences for having freely shared that contact info there. And what's your take?
2: I believe if you want opportunity to knock, you've got to tell it what door to knock on. It's just that simple. Put your information out there. And I actually wouldn't mind if I got a random telepest calling, if I also knew that I was getting all these fabulous opportunities as well. It's it's almost mm-hmm. a balance, but I, I agree. I, I really don't get a lot of garbage. I get people who, who want my services, who need
1: my expertise,
2: you know, people that I can help. And to me, that's a win-win. Perfect.
1: All right. So let's talk about build the connections and engaging. How do we do that? Well,
0: yeah,
2: I hate to say this. I really do. I feel like it's been overstated, but send connection requests Put in a nice little note, say something personable, let the person know that you're why you're connecting. Unless, of course, and this is the thing if you know the person, like I'm going to connect with you after this show, I don't think I need to say, Hey, we just talked an hour ago. I think you're going to remember me. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Donna. So, in that situation, I don't have a problem not adding a personalized note. Like to me, you don't have to do it always across the board. But if you are kind of going outside of, your real network and you you're connecting to people from maybe a long time ago, it is nice to add a little bit of a, a personalized note to say, hey, do you remember me? And I think it starts that conversation off. So hit connect, give a personalized note if the uh moment calls for it. Mm-hmm. And keep connecting. You know, it's just not something that you do once. You know, it's something that you you do Often it should be a part of your, your normal business world that as you meet people, as you go into meetings, connect, there's, there's that quote, uh, your net work is your net worth. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think a lot of people dismiss. And I remember years and years ago when I was in college, a woman came and was like, ah, you got to create a network. And like, it just sounded so intimidating and, and strange and really all it is is keeping in touch with people, being friendly, popping up to say hello, making connections. That's all it really is. And with LinkedIn, it's it's a very easy way to connect and grow that network and and continue to stay in touch with people.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: So that's it. It's that simple, but it's something that very few people
1: do. Well, so let's say you are one of those folks who has a hundred connections on LinkedIn. And you and I know that such a person knows many more people on LinkedIn and they could go ahead and connect with them. And, and then the whole world opens up to you. That's what I found in terms of one side said, okay, for real, I'm just going to go ahead and find some people I, I know and I'm going to connect. And then I don't know. I felt just a second surge of in, <laughs> a powerful feeling in, just in terms of saying, okay, well, well, shoot, now that I've spent a little bit of time on this, like a huge universe is now open to me uh, in terms of second degree connections. So if I had like 100 connections before, And then you know built it out to a thousand. It was like, wow, I could get introductions so readily to so many places now. That's hugely cool. So if someone's at a hundred, how do you recommend they they get to a thousand real connections relatively painlessly?
2: Well, they could certainly upload their email address book and allow LinkedIn to do like a match unmatch and decide who's already there and just mass connect. That's one way. Another easy way is to go into the my network icon. Mm-hmm. and scroll down that page. There's a people you may know area where LinkedIn makes these connections. They say, Oh, if you're connected to Pete and Pete's connected to so-and-so, then you might be connected to that person. So that's an easy way to do it. Yeah, I actually kind of just like the old fashioned sit down and really start thinking about the people that you've met throughout your your career and your school and life in general and just keep jotting them down in a notebook and, you know, see who's there, see who's connected. And then if you know someone, if you have like a history with a person, you could go to their profile and look at their connections and, you know, plod through that, connecting with the people that you know in common. So those are all ways that you can grow your network. Uh, But what's really important is When you grow that network, you're going to be found by more people. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Because when a person is searching LinkedIn, when they're doing a name-based search, yeah, they're they're searching the entire database of users. But if if a regular free user is doing a keyword-based search, think of yourself, when you do that, you're seeing first degree connections, you're seeing second degree connections, and you're seeing third degree connections. That's what you're searching. So if you want to be found by more people and you want to discover more people, you need to be in more networks and that opens up Mm -hmm. and it really explodes being found and getting found.
1: Yeah. I think that, that flywheel, that virtuous cycle really shows up because let's say you have a hundred, you spend a little bit of time and then you connected with extra 50. Well, now LinkedIn has so much more useful information to share more people. You know, he's like, well, as a matter of fact, I do know that person and that person and that person. So, so I find that it goes pretty darn quick in terms of getting there. It's like you make a bundle of connection requests. Week later, they've accepted. And now there's a whole new bundle. Mm-hmm. Repeat, repeat, repeat. It's like, hey, what do you know? In a couple of months, you went from a hundred to a thousand and it didn't take much time and it's kind of fun. You're like, oh, what's this
2: guy up to? Oh, wow. It's a good time. Yeah. It's true. And when you connect, use it as an excuse to maybe reach out and start more conversations. If you're going to do a huge burst and you have like, you know, you're going from a hundred to a thousand, it might not be possible. But do try as you're connecting, see if they're active on LinkedIn. And if they are, maybe just bookmark their activity and go back and check to see what they're posting Mm -hmm. and then engage with them. And when you start to engage with certain people on LinkedIn who are themselves active, you'll start to see that they fill your feed more often because LinkedIn likes to show their feed. They like their feed to be people that you know talking about the things that you care about, and so follow the right hashtags, connect with the right people, engage with them on that feed, and you'll start to find that LinkedIn is fun. it's people that
1: you know talking about the things you care about absolutely. and then let's talk about engaging and and particularly, I'm curious about any pro tips on on how to request an introduction, like let's say you've built your network and then you say, "Oh wow, I've got a second degree." Connections and, and all kinds of places I'd like to to learn about, maybe to work or to sell or or, or whatnot. Any best practices for how we make that request? Like could you introduce me to so and so?
2: Yeah. At one time LinkedIn had a very structured process for doing that. They don't now. If you're looking for an intro button, you're not gonna find it. And the way you do it is more manual. You look at a person's you find them, you see who do you know that's connected to them, and then you just send a message. You can also go into more and say send profile. And so you can send that person the profile and say, hey, this is the person I want an introduction to. But certain things to keep in mind, I have uh, 29,000 first degree connections. So if you're going to ask me to make an introduction to someone, there is a very good chance that I do not know them personally. Mm -hmm. So be aware that if you're if the person has an excessive <laughs> size network the answer might be i can't help you and that's okay don't get hung up on that but at the same time when you're going to make that introduction if you could give the person that you're asking as much information this is how you can introduce me to them this is what it is that i want from them it's it, and make it very clear
1: mm-hmm.
2: who you are and how they can describe you and what you want. So that person doesn't feel like they're helping a spam artist <laughs> to mm-hmm. defraud someone, but make it as very clear as possible. I think you're going to find that even if that person doesn't know that person very well, the introduction will take place and it will be successful.
1: Okay. Well, Donna, tell me any other key things you want to share before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
2: I will say this. We touched a little bit about my formatter on the website and we talked about how important the the LinkedIn headline is. And I will say to your audience, if if you are sitting there and you're looking at the profile and you're thinking, I really really do want to optimize this and I need help, there is a free resources section on my website and there's a LinkedIn headline generator. It's a little app. And they just fill out just a couple terms, put a little dot, you know, on different buckets uh, that describe them. And it pushes out a headline that's really awesome. And it's optimized and they'll get more views and they'll turn up more often in search. So just know that there is a lot of free help out there. And there's an entire section on my website full of those types of tools.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Well, now, could you share a favorite quote? Something you find inspiring.
2: This is a Tim Ferriss quote. And it says, it's lonely at the top. 99% of people are convinced they are incapable of achieving great things. So they aim for mediocre. The level of competition is thus fiercest for realistic goals, paradoxically making them the most competitive. Mm -hmm. And I just love this quote, because I find it's so true. And in fact, when my right before my father died, he had said to me, one of his biggest regrets was that he didn't dream big enough. Mm. And this is something that I'm seeing as I work with my clients, executives and entrepreneurs and professionals from all over the world, it's seeing people who have decided to dream big and go a little further and do a little bit more. And, and it is, it's scary, but you can, you can reach for the stars and you can do it.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have a favorite study or experiment, a bit of research? <laughs>
2: this isn't, like an absolute study. But I found this fascinating. If you were to fold a piece of paper in half 42 times, it would reach the moon. Hmm. And I really love that. I mean, like just thinking about it, folding it 42 times. I couldn't imagine that this is true, but I started doing some Google and it's true. It's the exponential growth. And this inspires me because it really reminds me that it's just these little steps we'll get you somewhere much bigger.
1: Yeah. I guess that's about a trillion sheets thickness there.
2: Oh, yeah. I think someone said you'd need yeah. like a sheet, the size of the earth <laughs>
1: to <laughs> even get close to it. Well, yeah. Well, there's so many parallel, well, takeaways just in terms of like compound interest or growth or, mm-hmm. or in terms of like what happens when something just grows and grows and grows. And a favorite book?
2: I'm one of those crazy people. I love, you know, the Think and Grow Rich and the Law of Attraction. I love that stuff. I love it so much. My favorite book is one where you either love her or you, you hate her. But I love The Fountainhead. I just loved
1: it. Okay. And a favorite tool?
2: I just recently purchased a Remarkable 2. And it's a handwriting tablet. So you can write on a, a tablet. So you don't need notebook after notebook after notebook. It's just this great gadget, and it allows me to just do what I love to do, which is just handwrite, but not use any more paper. It's all digitalized. And a favorite habit. Which goes back to the remarkable, <laughs> which is I love journaling, and I love to-do lists. And to me, it's, it's so important to get what's inside of you out. And I think there's something very soulful and and inspiring when you can take your pen and drag it if it's not paper then you know the remarkable too but really get your your thoughts out there and know what you need to do but also know what happens so you can start to see repetitions because our memories are so short we don't even know how short they are so it's important i think to really record your successes and record the things that have happened so you can remind yourself you can stop making the same mistakes over and over
1: and over again Mm-hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect to resonate with folks that quote it back to you again and again?
2: I've said success on LinkedIn is getting off LinkedIn. And I often hear people <laughs> attribute that to me and I, I did say it. And and to me, it's it's about sometimes people hide on social media and they hide on LinkedIn. They hide behind the messages and they hide behind the posts. And Really, I I find that the best relationships I've had from LinkedIn are the ones where I've gone to the person's profile, picked up the phone and called them. And that's where the real world is where the real relationships are formed. So I'd like to say, get off LinkedIn, call a person up, take them out for lunch or coffee. And I think you're going to find that it's an even deeper relationship that
1: can be formed. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch. Where would you point them?
2: Is certainly LinkedIn. <laughs> you can always visit my LinkedIn profile, but my website is linkedin-makeover.com. And that's got tons of free tools. It talks about our services. Everything I do is transparent. So you can see our pricing. You can see our examples. You can see our portfolio. Everything is there.
1: And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. Definitely, I challenge all of you to really think about who you are, where you're going and look at that profile and don't just align it to where you are, align it to where you want to go, make it more future oriented, tell people, maybe not just show, but really talk about what you've done, where you're going. And if you need help, there is my LinkedIn headline generator. And certainly we're here to help as well.
1: All right, Donna, this has been a treat. Thank you so much. And I wish you much luck in all of your connecting.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I loved so much what Donna had to share. Of course, the cool technical tricks so that you can have formatting appear that nobody else has is just cool. Love that. Love a good tactic and a good distinguisher. But what I found most helpful was really just that reframe in terms of, as we heard frequently, I guess recently from Ethan Becker about sort of knowing your audience is to really think about the opportunities you want, who are the folks who have them and then build every element to fit that. Because sometimes my instinct is to just try to make things as generally awesome as possible. Like, oh, this is the picture of me that in which I look the best. Okay, I'm going to grab it. This is a very beautiful background photo. It is among the most beautiful. I'm going to grab that, sort of like the landscape picture at the top. These are keywords that are going to get me a whole lot of views of my profile. I'm going to get that. Well, so this has just been a lovely reframe in terms of no, no, no. It's not just about what's the most whatever, but rather what will be compelling specifically to the folks who have the opportunities that you want. So really thinking clearly on what is the goal and aligning each of those elements you have to work with in your LinkedIn profile to maximize that goal. I think that's quite brilliant and a handy refrain for me. I hope you dug it as well. Again, those show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP677. Hope to catch you next time, and peace.